Hi, and welcome to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. Hope everybody is enjoying your mid-summer dreams here. The Guardians so far off to a little bit of a slow start in Texas. Hopefully they can wake up here on a Sunday. We'll get to them later in the show today. The Cavaliers are also playing in the Summer League. We'll get to them at the very end of the show, too. But it is time for the Browns. That's right. We have waited. We are about six days away. We, I should say about. We are six days away. From the Browns starting off, they're going to be in West Virginia to get prepared for the season. And also being, it's going to be a big celebration for the Browns because they will be celebrating Joe Thomas getting the Hall of Fame. We'll do more on Joe next week and all that fun stuff. So it's a big ramp up here for the, not next week, I'm sorry, in three weeks for the Browns. They're on August, that's on August 3rd. And then subsequently that first uh, Saturday in August is the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So actually it's, it's a while off. But all that to be said, next week, Saturday from now, the Cleveland Browns are getting ready for the season. There's no more, you know, this is not halfway through May. This is not voluntary training camp. It's here. You can feel the ramp up. You feel the excitement. And there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of anticipation for the Browns. And obviously, we're going to go through, I think today, we're going to go more through of 10 things to ask ourselves as fans. I think that's where we should start. And then next week, we'll get into the rosters what we think about the offense, the defense, a lot of new things, specific players next week. But I think today it's important to do more of an overall theme because last year we kind of ended on a murky note. I thought last year ended very murky. We didn't get many answers from Deshaun Watson. We didn't get much of a, well, we believe this kind of path for Deshaun in 2023. You don't get an exact feeling of where this is going to go with him. And that left a, a weird taste. It was not a smooth finish to the year for a quarterback with a lot of experience. And that's very unusual. Meaning if a quarterback is really struggling as a veteran, you may know that it's time to move on or if he's older in age or you have a young quarterback coming behind him. None of those are the true with the Browns. Deshaun Watson is the guy. It's very unusual for a team to have someone locked up like the Browns do for Deshaun Watson and not have an idea of where this is really going. And there is really no, um, there is no real guess. So that's where we're going to start off is how will this Deshaun Watson perform? It will be debated in many articles. It will be debated on many radio stations like this, many talking heads many podcasts. It is the biggest question by far. And it's why last year was left so murky because it was hard and it still is hard today on Sunday, July 16th. What is Deshaun Watson? How is he going to perform? Very difficult to predict. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of Browns fans like myself who who can see the light and say, wow, I, you know, possibly we have a big year for Deshaun. Absolutely. Especially with the additions on offense. You can really feel that excitement by Deshaun playing well. Deshaun played well in college and for Houston. So we know the potential. I mean, Watson was in, I mean, Watson 
has MVP talents. We all know that. But to see someone so off and to see someone really struggle as he did last year, it does leave for worry. And how could you not worry if you're a Browns fan? I'm worried. There's no comfortability about 2023. I mean, I feel he's going to play better, but I don't know for sure. I, it's, it makes this 2023 season very uneasy because of the unpredictability of how Deshaun Watson is going to play. And because of the emphasis the Browns are making on him, he holds not all the cards, but he holds – a good portion of the cards of how the season is going to be played out. That's nerve-wracking. A lot of pressure on not just Deshaun Watson, but on Kevin Stefanski, the front office, and the organization as a whole. And Deshaun Watson really does hold the cards. I think this offseason has been good for Deshaun Watson. I don't think it's been great. I don't think it's been perfect, but it's been good. He still has an outstanding. He still has outstanding work to do on the field and he still has charged a charge off the field that he's dealing with. <clears throat> that he's dealing with that's going to be coming up in court soon. So Deshaun still has a lot of what's going on in, you know, the, uh, off the field too, to deal with, with that case. And honestly, is that the reason why he performed so badly because of what happened and all that happened with his, what all that happened? in 2022 off the field possibly has he changed we're going to find out i think it's going to be a big performance thing for sean watson has he been able to change as a person for all of the allegations which i think some to most of them are true i do has he changed as a person has he has he reformed himself i think that's going to play a big part in how he plays on the field. The amount of scrutiny, which was fair, and the amount of change he's had to make is a lot. So that also, I think, plays into where he throws touchdowns and how he hits wide receivers open. It does. I think it plays a big part of how this is going to play next year. In fact, I think it's going to play a big part into his performance down the road. Because if he has made peace with himself and he feels better as a person and he feels like he can move on, from everything that happened off the field, I think Deshaun Watson will perform very, very well for the Browns. If he's still struggling with it, if he's still having a hard time with what happened in the offseason in 2022, I think Deshaun Watson, we're in for a long season. I really do. But Deshaun Watson does hold a lot of these cards for how things are going to go. And it makes us nerve-wracked as fans. We Again, there's a lot of hope. You're going to hear, I, I, I would not be, say boy i know what's going to happen i there's no way anybody knows what's going to happen it's so unpredictable that's why there's a lot of people who are all over the map about how the browns are going to do i've heard everything from fourth to possibly win the afc recently that's a big drastic that's a huge drastic gap between what is real and what's going to happen again it's all over the map with predictions. And Deshaun Watson does play a big part of it. It is the number one question is how will Deshaun Watson perform? It's going to be talked about a lot this week. And it needs to be because of all the emphasis that's been going on 
with the team going into number four. It's a very, very important piece to the Browns' success this coming season. Question number two, will Kevin Stefanski improve as a coach? And again, these are 10 questions we need to ask ourselves as fans. If you put aside Deshaun Watson, I think this would have been any other year the number one question. But because of Deshaun Watson, it's not. Kevin Stefanski's earned the back the background here a little bit because of Deshaun. But as I just said, they're married. And a lot of it will depend on what we just talked about before. But then there's the other ancillary stuff was Kevin Stefanski. And there's a lot that he has to prove. Was COVID just an advantage for a coach where he was able to get the team focused without any distractions of a pandemic going on? Or is this a guy who can really lead the orange and brown through the NFL season? The latter will tell you, no. He really struggled the last two seasons. And they're very different and they're very chaotic. All true. Baker Mayfield, the end of Baker Mayfield and what was going on with um, with Odell Beckham Jr. was ridiculous. Well, And that has been a lot to handle as a coach. And the team was melting down. And the team was having multiple issues. And last season, they just frankly did not perform under what was a chaotic circumstance of what was going on to Sean Watson. It was impossible for anyone to focus, let alone coach probably at times. It was suffocatingly draining, talking about what was going on to Sean Watson, and it needed to be talked about. And then you had Jacoby Brissett play for the first for the first half season plus. So you didn't get your quarterback until week until I'm sorry, game twelve. He only played the last six games of the season. So you didn't get him for the first eleven. You had Jacoby Brissett. Huge difference. And you had a quarterback who hasn't even played, who hasn't even been able to snap the ball in two seasons. All true. And that's why he's back. But he's got a lot to prove as a coach because there were some real meltdowns and nothing to do with what I just said. The Jets' meltdown was horrific. They should have lost to the Panthers. Okay, York rescued them from that game. The Chargers game was ridiculous. The Falcons game was re- There's so many games. They're just like mind-numbing as a fan. mind numbing as a fan i can't believe we're here can't believe we're here even some of the wins were Steelers game Buc- buccaneers game i mean they, they gutted it out but man it wasn't clean it just was never a clean season aside from the Monday night football game and even then there were still some you know mistakes but those happen in games so i'm not gonna be too tough on the browns that was a one game monday night on halloween where the browns kind of dominated from kickoff to the end of the game but outside of that, the Browns never were able to get a handle on the season. They had such a hard time getting into a groove, figuring out what's going to happen, how they're going to win games. It was impossible for them to ever get settled into the season at times. And I do think a lot of that due to Sean Watson, but some of it was on coach. At some point, you've got to get this team through the season, and they were just did not seem prepared. There were strange decisions. They were going for it all the time. They couldn't stop the run. Multiple breakdowns on defense. Okay, Joe Woods, sure, he's gone now. But that goes to the head coach, too. Special teams breakdowns. Okay, Briefer's gone. That goes to the head coach, too. And there were game-time situations where it was strange. First game back for Deshaun Watson, they put in 
you know, they, they play against the Houston Texans. The second game, Bengals on the road. Jacoby Brissett comes in the game out of nowhere on a fourth and one and throws a bomb. Like just strange play calls. Strange, strange, strange play calls. A lot of play calls that just made your head scratch throughout. And Stefanski has a hard time managing in game. We've seen it really the last two seasons, not just last year. A lot of pressure on Stefanski, and there needs to be a lot of pressure on Stefanski. And then finally, what are they going to do with the with what happens if they start failing again? Is it Boba Ventron's fault? No. Not all of it. Is it Jim Schwartz's fault? No. I mean, some of this goes on Coach Stefanski. At a certain point, the buck stops with Coach Stefanski, too. There's a lot of pressure on him to win, and he needs to win and needs to win big. And then finally, third question before we end our first segment here is, will the Browns show some emotion? I felt like at times throughout the Stefanski era, clearly, this has become an analytics Browns that are based in Cleveland, Ohio, meaning they don't play with a lot of emotion. At times, it feels like this team just does not have a drive to want to do things on the field that you want to grip the victory. You want to take that Boshan Beckler, Woody Hayes drive and energy to win the game. Bill Parcells, you know, take the you know, Tom Brady plays with emotion. Those emotional plays where you see a fist pump, you don't see that at times with the Browns. The Browns sometimes just look emotionless. So much analytics. Not enough football acumen. Will the Browns show emotion in 2023? My gosh, I hope so. I'm ready for some fire. And I think it actually helps them. Most X and Y happens, or you go for it every third down, or you don't get – no, no, no. There's emotion. There's a real emotion in sports. And the Browns just never showed enough of it the last two seasons. In fact, ironically, I thought they showed a little bit of that towards the end of the pandemic season. I thought that's what helped them get through the playoffs. They finally started showing some real fire and emotion from that team. Something I have not seen since the end of 2020. That team had a pep in its step. That team had a belief. In it. And at times with the Browns, you could see, I mean, Miles Garrett last year checked out in Detroit after the Bills lost. Long faces. Baker Mayfield walking off the field in 2021. Christmas Day, Baker Mayfield looked checked out, lost. Last year, Saints game, team didn't play with energy. That was a big home field advantage in a cold weather situation. Team didn't play with any life. Didn't play any zip either in the last game in Pittsburgh. No life, no energy, no emotion. The Browns need to play with some football fire. Need to play with some football emotion. It can't just be all the time about analytics. It needs to be bigger than that. That's where the Browns are at. Need more motion. Need more fire. And that somewhat goes on Stefanski and certainly goes on to Sean Watson. Hopefully, with the Sean Watson performs well, get the feeling you're going to see some emotion on this team. Stefanski, get the feeling you're going to see some emotion on this team, for sure. But it needs to be bigger than that. They need to set the tone with some fire for the Browns. How will Deshaun Watson perform? Will Kevin Stefanski improve as a coach? 
And will the Browns show emotion in 2023? First three questions we all need to be asking ourselves as fans. We come back more preview as the Browns kick off training camp next. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love good caring sports, the Browns season's coming up. Cavaliers basketball, Guardians. Check out BelieveInTheLand.com. Also check us out on Believe in the Land on YouTube. We also give coverage of the Buckeyes football. We also do a lot of coverage in the city of Cleveland. Check us out, BelieveInTheLand.com, BelieveInTheLand on YouTube. Thoughtful, good coverage with videos and articles, short thoughts, everything else and more. Check it out. Also, go to at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. If you want instant analysis, breaking news, all that kind of stuff, I come on as soon as the last pitch happens in every Guardians game. We'll be doing so as well for the Browns as soon as the game is over. As soon as the game's over, I go on live immediately afterwards to talk about the Browns. What's going on? Cavaliers basketball, as soon as the final horn sounds. Going on, talking about the Cavaliers. Cavs, Browns, Guardians coverage. As soon as the game is over, instantaneous. That's what we want as fans. Instantaneous. Go on to add official Cleveland Sports on Instagram as part of the Believe in the Land group. John Sam Park. I'm very proud of Todd Hall works hard. We all do work hard, and I think we do great, thoughtful coverage. How will Deshaun Watson perform? Will Kevin Stefanski improve as a coach? Will the Browns show emotion in 2023? Getting away from the analytics, going more to football. Those are the top three questions. Let's go to the 10 questions we need to be asking ourselves as fans. The Browns get ready for training camp here on Saturday. They are going to be in West Virginia getting ready, and then they come back to Cleveland to play the Jets on August Thursday, August 3rd. And training camp starts six days. Six days. Question four, how will the Browns perform under new defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz? Ironically, I think there's more of a prediction of how the Browns are going to do under Jim Schwartz than how they will do it with Deshaun Watson. Isn't that weird? Deshaun Watson played on the team last year. And I have less an idea of how it's going to go. And I have more of an idea about how Schwartz is going to do. I think Schwartz is going to maximize a defense that needs some coaching. Joe Woods really had a bad two-year stretch in this club. The amount of breakdowns we don't need to review. Pick a game, actually, in the first half of the season last year. You want to pick Patriots? You want to pick Falcons run defense? How about the pass coverage in the Jets? I like the pass coverage against Panthers. All moments. There's multiple more. Where defense have breakdown. So Jim Schwartz comes in here. This is a huge opportunity for this defense to show what they can really do. I believe he'll blend in well with this team. This team will, I believe, from what I'm reading and from what I'm hearing, from what I'm seeing, is welcoming Jim Schwartz. And that's a good thing. The Browns need to welcome Jim Schwartz on this team. This is a this is the first one where I do have some high expectations. I do think the defense is ready to perform at a higher level. And from what I can tell, it sounds like Stefanski understands he has to keep his eyes on the defense. Not that he's going to be controlling the defense at all, because he's not. But he understands as a head coach, he's made several references, I coach everywhere on the field. And that's good to hear, because he does. He's not just an offensive coordinator head coach. He's the head coach. Alex Van Pelt's offensive coordinator. He's in charge of defense, and he needs – to speak up about how this team does as a whole, not just 
how Deshaun Watson performed in week one. And he's kind of mentioned that, and that's good. But going back to Schwartz, this is exciting. I think the expectations are high for me, at least. And there's been some additions to the defense. Yes, Darius Smith is a great addition. And and all that, we'll get to that here in, in a few minutes, too. And there's a new defensive tackle in Tomlinson, which I like. Secondaries, I think, got more of an we're finally going to see, we would think, the ball hawkishness of Denzel Ward, who we know knows the ball hawk. Newsome, can he finally get an interception? Emerson, who's really, boy, in the first year, showed a lot of promise being a, being a pick out of Mississippi State. Showed a lot of promise, Emerson did. But Schwartz being there, you can feel the confidence growing. You can feel that there's a national, not just a Cleveland bump, but there's a national bump about High expectations for the defense, which is good. So how will the defense perform under new defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz is question number four. I will say out of these first four, this is the one that's trending positively. There's a lot of hope, and there should be. Jim Schwartz is a good coach. He he walked into a great situation. You have Miles Garrett, you have Denzel Ward, you're walking into a pretty good situation. Number five, what new addition will make the biggest impact? The two that really stand out are Elijah Moore. Zaria Smith. There's others. I mean, there's been quite a plethora of people who are coming through Berea who are going to be new this year. Ogbo's in their defensive end that came in. Tomlinson, I just mentioned his name, coming in from Minnesota. Two Minnesota defensive linemen, by the way, with Zaria Smith and Tomlinson, both coming over here from Minnesota. McLeod's been getting a lot of accolades. A good one's been getting some hype. Who's been around for a long time as a wide receiver? But Elijah Moore and Zadarius Smith are the big two names. And truthfully, I really think, even though offense is the game in the NFL, offense is where we want to talk I really do think Zadarius Smith's going to have the biggest impact in this game. I do. I think he's going to make the biggest impact on his, as a teammate. I think he's going to make the biggest impact. Only seen a few handful of videos, but I've never seen as much fire and emotion. And it hasn't been like gallons of emotion, but the few short videos I see, Zadarius Smith shows emotion. It's good. And he really wants to drive things here in Cleveland. Also good. Need to see more of that. Need to see more of that. It's huge for this team. It really is. It's huge. Need to see Smith play well and drive. And Elijah Moore, too. And Elijah Moore's got a very big um, edge to him as he really wants to prove people wrong in New York. He did not leave the Jets eloquently. That was not a good break up there. So he's a lot to prove on the field. The young receiver out of Ole Miss. It's exciting. Both players really bring excitement. Haven't, I mean, we've had a lot of excitement for Dave and Clowney. And, that, and by the way, he played well year one, but he was terrible last year. Was it Darius Smith and Elijah Moore? You know, Odell Beckham, sure. But these two guys are bringing a lot of excitement. I'm very excited about Zadarius Smith. I mean, you could pick either one here. Maybe Tomlinson's name, too, you want to pick for sure. I can see that. Ogbo, a lot of people you know, initially were excited about him, the young defensive end from the Texans. But I think Zadarius Smith's going to have a big change here in Cleveland. He plays with a lot of fire and emotion in practice. I got to imagine it's going to translate well 
and what's going to happen on the field on Sundays. I like how the kid plays already in practice. I think he brings a lot, a lot to this young Browns team of emotion, which we need. We know we have established leader in Miles Garrett. We do. He's a talented player. But just for someone to bring some energy like he is already in practice, it is exciting. It's good to see. And he's very talented. Zadarius Smith is a very good defensive end. This is not just some schlub of energy. He's got a lot, a lot to prove. Number five, what will Nick Dish will make the biggest impact? I say Zadarius Smith. Six, how productive will Nick Chubb be with the focus on the passing game? This has been a very big topic. I am one on this topic, too, because I think Nick Chubb's a very talented player. I really don't care if the Browns win games, so I just want to state that at the beginning. Browns are winning games. Who does what? Wayside for me. Don't care. Don't care. Want to see how this team plays. Want to see this team win is number one. Number one, now I want the offense to score a lot of points. But Nick Chubb's a very talented player. Very talented player. And I want to see him get touches on the ball. He's been voted by ESPN as the top running back in 2023. I would tell the Browns, and I'm sure there's I, I would hope they're thinking about this. You know, that should take the pressure off the pressure off number four, Watson. Nick Chubb can really win you games. I know it's a passing league. I know there's a lot that's going to be determined with Deshaun Watson, not just with his arm, but his legs. He's a running quarterback, as we know. But don't forget about Nick Chubb. He is a great player. He's not just a great running back. He's a great player in this league. I just hope they don't forget about him. Because he can win you games, as we know and we've seen. He's not just an average Brown. He's not just an average running back. He's very, very talented. Do you think Nick Chubb's going to get his production? I think his carries will be fine. The Browns win. Again, no one cares. I will be the first one to say it too. I don't care. Browns win games. Who cares? Just win the game. W flag up. Just want to see the win. How we get there? Don't care. Don't care. But Nick Chubb does need to be a production on this team, I think, to be successful. I think he just can't be forgotten. I don't think he will. But I would like to see it. Especially when Watson's not having his best. Would love to see Nick Chubb get the ball. That's number six. How productive will Nick Chubb be? Focus on the passing game. Number seven, how, will the special teams improve? Number seven was uh, the doom and gloom of special teams. has been a fog for the last few seasons. Every time I feel like we get over this hump as Browns fans, we get sucked in right back into it. And last year was a dreadful year for special teams again. Had some moments, scored a touchdown off one, you know, off one game. Great. But the special teams with Kate York, special teams with giving up big plays, special teams with giving up onside kicks. Browns have an onside kick kryptonite. They, boy, they don't do well in that spot. Bubba Ventron's here to fix it. Big spot for him. Special teams, the last 13, 14 seasons have been pretty bad. Cade York get some of that pressure too? Sure, absolutely. You need to make more kicks this year. Special teams need to improve. Special teams brought down this team. 2020, towards the end of the season, they finally became a strength. You need to see that again here for the Browns. I have not seen that really since the days, early days of the Browns. Um, 
going back into the league when special teams was the one group that always seemed to be playing well. That was weird. First few years, especially with the kicking game, it was always the strength of the team. Well, to see this year, Brid, can get somewhat back to that. Will the special teams improve is question number seven. Number eight, can Miles Garrett get the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2023? And for some of you who chuckle, I actually do think this is something that can happen. So Darius Smith should, along with Jim Schwartz, the improvement of defensive line, with rotation of players coming in and out, should give Miles Garrett an opportunity to get an NFL Defensive Player of the Year. It should. Guy is ready for it. Guy is a great player. Guy has really been needing some assistance on this defensive line throughout coaching. He's gotten that now. One would have to think. I actually do. I think Miles Garrett's going to have a big year. I think Zadarius Smith and Jim Schwartz are both going to push him to play well. I'm expecting big things from Miles Garrett. This is his year. He's talked about it. This is a different vibe this year in defense. There's not as much mystery. There's a lot that's going to be happening with expectations for me on Miles Garrett, and I think I won't be alone. I expect a big year from Miles Garrett. Can Miles Garrett get the NFL Defensive Player of the Year is number, number eight? Number nine, will this team be driven by any and all football decisions by analytics? We touched upon this a little bit with the emotion. Now we're driving this home. Analytics has helped the Browns, helps every organization, but they sometimes live and die by it. There's so many examples. I couldn't even tell you where to start and end because it's the, it's obvious. The Browns need to make more in-game adjustments. Coach does, team does, rather than analytics plague. If something's not working in a passing game, if something's not working, make adjustments. Football acumen, not saying, hey, analytics tells us if you keep running this, eventually it's going to work. No, 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 no. This team cannot be driven day in, day out by analytics methods and methodology it's got to have more of a point of football in-game adjustments goes to question two with Stefanski goes to question three a little bit with emotion too but the Browns need to show better in-game adjustments not just analytical decisions that's predetermined before the game it, I again there's so many examples wouldn't even know where to start or finish what I'm going to say is you can't keep going for the fourth down if you're not showing you can get the first down. Sometimes you need to do something different on defense because it's not working. Hopefully that will play out this year in 2023 Browns. Not just analytical di driven where you keep making poor decisions instead of trying to win the game. Punting's okay. Kicking a field goal's okay. Sometimes you need that. Not always analytics. And number 10, will the Browns overtake the Bengals in the AFC North? AFC North, to me, a lot of people will say it's muddled with all three teams. I don't see it as muddled. I think the Bengals are clearly the best team in the division. So I think it needs to be asked. The Browns have an excellent opportunity to overtake the Bengals in week one and really put a pressure point to the end of the year. A lot of people will tell you that the, the, the talent is there, and the Browns have fared well against the Bengals. Not impossible. Not impossible. The big – that is the question, though. They are the king. They are not only the Bengal tire, they are the king of that division. But it all starts and ends with Deshaun Watson. The fancies going to play a big part of this, too. But Deshaun Watson's performance is going to be big. Hopefully they show more emotion. I want to see more analytics. I'm excited about Jim Schwartz. 
Excited about Elijah Moore's Darius Smith. Nick Chubb needs to be a touch in this game. Special teams need to improve. And Miles Garrett hopefully can get that. I think with the improvements, I think he can really become a defensive MVP. A lot more from the Browns throughout the season. We come back, Guardians time. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love coverage, even after a Guardians heartbreaking loss, boy, was that the case on Sunday. Ooh, we'll get to that here in a second. Check out at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. At official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Check me out. I'm there after every Guardians game. Go. <laughs> but it's fun sometimes too. But yeah, four straight losses will sour anybody's mood. Browns, Cavs, too, throughout the season. Go to at official Cleveland Sports. Pardon the Believe in the Land company. Thoughtful, good sports coverage. Go to believeintheland.com. Buckeyes, too. Buckeyes football. Also go to Believe in the Land on YouTube. Check me out on their live sunglasses on. Boy, what a face-planting loss today for the Guardians. I was going to go in a different direction, but... Oh, I think we need to talk about this loss. Three in a row. They got four in a row, actually. Three in a row since the break, but four in a row overall. And they got their fannies whipped today um, by the Rangers in the eighth inning. And they were up 5-2 when Trevor Steffen had the meltdown of all meltdowns. So why don't we pause there? The Guardians had a whole lot of news that came out. You know, the break was really needed for this team. You could tell they were starting to finally hit a little bit of a wall. Not a lot, but they played well against the Royals. But the break you could tell was needed. And it was a good chance to catch their breath. They were in first place. You know, onward and upward, only the best to come. Yada, yada, yada. Felt good about everything as a Guardians fan. At least I did. I felt pretty good going to break. And then even before the first pitch against the Rangers, even before the first pitch, the Beaver – news came out that he is going to be on the IL 15 days. They More news keeps leaking out. Guardians Shane Bieber shut down for at least two weeks. At least two weeks. So he's going to be out for a while. It looks like it is going to be non-surgical, which is good. But the news just keeps trickling out every day, every day about what's going on with Shane Bieber. And that impacts his team a lot, as we know, in three different ways. One is the the pitching staff itself. We, the we, his fans, and the Guardians as a team, now have only one veteran pitcher left in Aaron Savala. One. You have Tanner Bybee. You have Darren Williams. And then you've got Aaron Savali leading the charge. Leading the charge. A very, very, very team and Logan Allen coming back on Tuesday. And then we got a question mark. Bullpen game on Monday. So now the starting pitching, very brittle. Very brittle. Not going to have much heading down the stretch when it comes to veteran pitching. Looks a big damper on what I was feeling good about going in the break. Big damper. Gamper doesn't feel good, and then there's the second lane of this the trade talk. And there's no more trade talk now, no one's going to touch Shane Bieber. He's hurt, doesn't help. He's going to be out through the deadline. 
Not good. Not good. So now there's no Shane Bieber being traded. If you were on that sideline, I was not, but I'm not going to give my wish either because he's not going to be pitching. I think you need a veteran presence on this team. So now you're, you have a very, very young staff. That's not even younger because Shane Bieber's on the IL. There's no more trading him. And then there's number three. It hurts your bullpen. The bullpen is starting to get a lot of pressure put onto it. And they're not holding up well as it is it's in Texas, which we'll get to in a second. But why are you putting more pressure on the bullpen? Because now you have to rely on levers to come into games to save games earlier because of youthful pitching and their pitch counts not wanting to be up. Changes everything. And boy, in a quick, 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 quick way, the Guardians on Friday really got into a situation where they were – I was feeling good as a fan, like what they're doing, feeling good about the club, enjoyed enjoyed really how they win the break, even though they you know, they lost the last game. I think the All-Star break felt good, and boy, what a turnaround. This Shane Bieber news is not good because the Guardians are really hamstrung. They can't make a trade, in my opinion, now for anything. They have to probably ride this season out. And this team could use some help. They might have to even trade for a veteran pitcher and not to win games, but to save the club. Because I don't know if they're going to be able to get by with Hunter Gaddis and Patton, Peyton Battenfield, which is being rumored are, is the next guys up. But they're not pitching on Monday. They're going to a bullpen game on Monday in Pittsburgh. That injury set the tone for the weekend. Not a good tone at all heading into heading into what was a bad stretch of games in Texas. Texas bullied the Guardians. Bullied them. 12-4 on Friday. Leaking oil everywhere from the bullpen. Savali did a nice job but got pulled for some reason with seven nine pitches. That was strange. I think at this point the Guardians might be overly cautious with some things. I, I still don't understand. Aaron Savali pull. But they pulled him. And boy, Texas started scoring on everybody. Everybody. Hinches had a terrible outing on Friday night. De Los Santos had a terrible outing. And poor uh, Morris got got shellacked as well. Gave up three home runs in the eighth. And then Saturday was the, the, the game that just befuddled I mean, as a fan even more. Do nothing against a team that's not that great at pitching. And, boy, Texas just no pressure. The Guardians put on them with their hitting. Actually got a good performance from Gavin Williams, who had a really battle early, really was up against it early, but still had enough to win the game. And the Guardians just couldn't get anything going on offense. Nothing. Okay. Okay. And then we get – to the last stretch today, and Stefan has an epic meltdown after Tanner Bybee was wonderful. Wonderful. He had a really good day. Really good show. I just could not get out from the bullpen and Trevor Stefan in particular. Gut punch of a loss. And this team's really leaking oil. It's only one series. I'm sure Francona will have them ready to play in Pittsburgh. It'll be good to get out of Texas, but that timing was terrible. It's a terrible start to the second half of the season. 
Terrible start. Terrible start. Trevor Steffen can't be in the eighth inning either anymore. It's just not working out. Guy can't handle the pressure. Can't handle it. And honestly, at this point, I was just saying we could go bullpen. Boy, bullpen's been awful. And they're getting overused. And they're coming out too much. And they're leaking. It's just everything's compounded. Boy, that series against Pittsburgh is big just to settle the season down. Guardians just need to get some wins and settle the old stomach. That was a nightmare. 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 Start on Friday with Beaver and then continued all the way through Stefan here on Sunday. And yes, Terry Francona should have pulled Trevor Stefan after his 5 4. Yeah, he should have. He let him face one more batter way too much. 5 4 became 6 5 Rangers. Jung hit the ball right up the middle. Game over. Good night. Turn out the lights. Stefan's had a couple appearances like this with meltdowns. The Mets game comes to mind. He had a Twins game comes to mind. He's done multiple now. Not a couple, multiple. Bad word on my part. Multiple, multiple. He's had six blown saves. Stefan cannot be trusted in the eighth inning anymore. Can't. Stephen Kwan did have a good day. David Fry also had a good day. The Naylor brothers made history. See, that's the thing. Naylor brothers made history on Friday, and you don't even remember it because of all the bad stuff that's going on with the pitching. Naylor brothers did the first ever brother tandem in Cleveland baseball history. They had two runs in the same game. They did it in the same inning. Very cool stuff from the Naylors. Very cool stuff. That all happened in one three-game series. Terrible Texas series. Terrible. TT. Terrible in Texas. TIT. Terrible. 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 There's hope, though. They're in AL Central. As I do this taping now, the Twins are up 5-4. The Twins aren't, they aren't that great. Everybody else in the division stinks. There's a wonderful opportunity for the Guardians still to make it, but I will say... It is tape and glue and duct tape and, you know, a lot of sticks because there is no cement to be found to make this house. It is all on sticks and strings and glue. This is going to be a tough run for this young ball club, and it's a young ball club now. It's gotten even younger. They're going to have rookie pitchers starting four out of the five games or bullpen. Guardians are in a really tough spot now. Really tough spot. Guardians are going to have to really grind out this season to make the playoffs, and hopefully by and hopefully Bieber, or hopefully McKenzie, Quantrill need some help here down the stretch. They're going to have to survive in advance these next two weeks. The Pittsburgh series is crucial after today to get some wins, settle down this season, and this season is needs to be settled down. That did not go well this week in Texas. Very poor performance. Nail Brothers made history, which is great. But the Shane Bieber news started off the whole weekend. Throw in there what's going on with Stefan today. Meltdown on bullpen on Friday and throw in a you know a shutout on Sunday. 
Battered and bruised, the Guardians have lost four in a row for the first time all season. We're really going to see what this young club's being made of in Pittsburgh. Big series. They've got to get you out of the ring. Guardians need to find some hope. That's your Guardians. One more segment when we're back. Welcome back to the last segment here of Believe in the Land. My name is Andy Billman. Again, go to believeintheland.com. Also check out Believe in the Land on YouTube. Also check me out on Instagram, at Official Cleveland Sports. Check me out on Threads. Threads is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check me out. Talking about Trevor Stephan. Oh, my gosh. Want to bang my head against the wall. Check me out. My son laughs because he knows it's funny. Go to BelieveInTheLand.com. Go to BelieveInTheLand on YouTube. Go to Threads. Go to at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram and on Threads. All right, here we go. Let's end the segment strong. The Cavaliers won a summer league game, and they are in the finals. What does that mean? Nothing. But, hey, they're in the finals, and it's a win. And a Cleveland Sunday, we'll take it. Um, it, it was an exciting game for, again, a game you won't remember in November. But, okay, they won the game, which is good. But inside the stat books are all we really care about, which is true. Um, Sam Merrill, who had an injury, came back in this game. He didn't really perform his best, but he still scored 19 points. He was four from third, four for 13, though, in the game from three-point range. But Imani Bates really had a strong game. He had 20 points, but was eight out of 13. I thought Bates really played well in this game. It was his best summer league game by far. And Isaiah Mobley, Mr. Consistency. I would if you rank them in these three. I think Isaiah Mobley is one, two is Sam Merrill, and three is Bates, but they're all close. But Mobley has really stood out to me the most. He did hit the game winner in overtime. Uh, what they do is they go to seven points. The first one is seven wins, and the Cavs got there first. So they win. They get to play in the finals. They beat the Nets today. But, again, I won't get into wins and losses because, we again, summer league, you know, who cares? Uh, but the big thing is, is Bates played well. I think there's a lot of excitement with this young kid. He has shown a lot in summer league. Now it's summer league. Big difference between summer league and the NBA regular season. But it gives hope. It does. I got to admit, the kids look <laughs> – again, I got to admit, the kid in a big spot played really well today. Bates is growing on me. The more I watch him, the more I like it. Do I still think he needs to play a lot for the charge this year? You know, basically the affiliate of the – which it is. is the affiliate of the Cavs, their minor league team. Yeah, I do. I think that's going to be really good for him. It doesn't mean he stinks. I think kids – I think it's good. Would it surprise or shock me if he's up in Cleveland some point this year? Um, ask me again after the finals, but right now, no. I got to say, I could see it. I didn't think that way heading into the day, but after today – the more I see, the more I like. Mobley is the one I really think should be up more in Cleveland, even though he's not going to get a lot of playing time. I like Mobley a lot. He's ready. Sam Merrill's ready. And he will be up all year. The Summer League, again, hard to rate anything because, again, you forget all about it by November. But this has been a good Summer League experience for the Cavs. They're 5-0. and They've won every game. And, again, they're developing young players. That's what – Summer League should be, and that's what it is. They're really having a good summer league so far. Quarters also look good. The kid out of Wichita State, the cylinder, keep in mind. And this kid, Travers, or Travers, sorry, out of uh, 
Australia, who's not going to be playing at all this year for Cleveland, is going back to Australia. He will be a name to watch next year. I don't think he'll be going back to Australia in the 2024-25 season. I think he's going to be in Cleveland all year. Or not in Cleveland, but in the Cleveland organization all year. Good win. Tight game. Again, I thought Bates' best performance, even though they had a slight collapse in the fourth quarter, whatever, okay. They won the game. It's all matters. And again, I think Mobley needs to be up all year. Mayor will be up all year. And I think Bates needs to start off with the, with the charge and then over time make his way to the Cavaliers. But he needs some time. He needs some time to develop, and I think he will get that time. I think it will be the best thing for him um, in this short run. But I will say Bates has really shown a lot. He had good shot selection. He was 8 out of 13. I mean, you can't complain. Four out of five from threes. Hit a big three in this game. Hit a huge three in this game late in the fourth quarter. Can't get mad. Can't get mad about what you're seeing there. The Browns start training camp on Saturday in West Virginia. I went through the 10 things. You can read the article on BelieveTheLand.com. The 10 things. The big things are... Obviously, Deshaun Watson, the improvement of Stefanski as a coach, Jim Schwartz, and I think the addition of Darius Smith is one to watch. And when times get tough with Watson, hand the ball off to Nick Chubb. Those are the big storylines. But it's all about Watson because we don't know what Watson's going to give for us. We just really, really don't. It's hard to really determine what he's going to do. The Guardians had a really rough weekend. They did celebrate some history with the Nail Brothers being the first brother tandem to hit a home run in the same game. But, boy, after that, the Shane Bieber news really set the tone, and they got swept. Stefan had a meltdown today. Bieber will not be back for 15 days plus, it sounds like. And the Cavaliers won another summer league game, and Armani Bates had his best performance today. And that was the week that was in Cleveland sports. My name is Andy Billman. Check me out on Instagram, at officialclevelandsports, believeintheland.com. Have a good week. Guardians need to win in Pittsburgh. See you next week.